right, welcome back into another episode of The Idea Collision. My name is Andrew Green. I am the host of the podcast, and I'm glad you're here. Uh, and that means that you were not scared off by last episode. Uh, we've been talking about contradictions, and specifically, we've been talking about the contradictions in younger generations. Um, and and that might scare you, as I say, um, because uh, we sometimes are, are worried that it, this is just the ramblings of an older guy who uh, wants to badmouth a particular generation. Uh, this is not my opportunity to have my get off my lawn moment. Uh, the generations that we're speaking of, um, the millennials and, and Gen Z, uh, are many times they are dismissed by people from my generation, which is Gen X and uh, and and even older from the baby boom generation. Uh, and, and we don't want to do that. We're specifically speaking of some contradictions um, that every, really, any generation has contradictions. The reason why we're speaking of these is um, because we're trying to look at ways to correct. And one of the things that we noted last week was that um, that some of these previous generations have kind of been in these contradictions for so long that it's going to be very difficult to see a generational-wide move away from them. So the younger you are, the more you can transition to things. And then that's what the purpose of this podcast is, to help people. And, and obviously individuals can make a... Uh, a, a change. Someone's going to say, "Well, I'm a I'm a Gen Xer, so this doesn't mean anything to me." That's not true. It, it, you can, if you see contradictions uh, that we've come across, you can make a personal change. Um, so, but the purpose of a podcast is to try to reach a, a larger group of people uh, that something will apply to. Uh, so, uh, in speaking of contradictions. Um, you know, of any society, there is, in a way, when we when we use that word contradictions, there is a complement to be found, and that's what we we began with. That there there is this noble ideal, there is a philosophy or a goal to be achieved, but something has gotten in the way of that being realized, of that coming to fruition. So, so that's where we want to focus on. We don't want to focus on how bad that generation is, whatever it is. And they're not just not doing it. We, like here is the obstacle, and if we remove this obstacle, then uh, then we have something positive to go uh, to to move forward with. Uh, so I want to uh, to to kind of stay in that that theme and uh, keeping that premise. We're not bad mouthing. We're we're trying to to look at something from the positive side of things and trying to keep things, as always, trying to keep things spiritual. So uh, we're going to be looking at this this podcast that I'm that I'm doing kind of it grew really uh, in terms of um, it, it, it grew into two podcasts. So we're going to be kind of finishing it. I, I try to keep them, you know, relatively in, in isolated podcasts where you can just kind of get the good out of it without having to have all the background context but but this one just kept growing so uh, we're uh, we began with the concept last week of mental health looking at as one of their goals one of their philosophies their ideas that they have is this emphasis on good mental health which is a noble ideal we looked at how they've kind of fallen short of that 
uh, and looking at some of the the depression and looking at some of the kind of some of the negative aspects really that this this generation is dealing with. We're going to look at that uh, similarly from a different angle though. Uh, what kept them from achieving that goal is uh, that they're they've exchanged an identity, and and so they've sacrificed fulfillment because they can no longer fulfill the identity, which the, the proper identity is is to realize that you are made by God, and if you you don't accept that reality, then then how can you realize who you are and who you're made to be? Uh, <clears throat> so. Uh, I think I want you to think about some of the phrases that you think about when you hear millennials or or Gen Z. When you when you hear, you know, some of these phrases, you'll recognize that these are values that they hold. Right? Uh, you'll hear a phrase, and these are generalities again, but you'll recognize these phrases uh, that they are interested in awareness. You ever hear of awareness? Um, uh, and so, so connected with that, you'll hear the phrase being woke. We're going to come back to that. Don't, don't like, again, don't get the jitters or whatever. We're going to come back to this idea. You will hear a phrase like, I want to make a difference, which is, this is good. Um, and you'll hear th- them talk about being, uh, about th- their activism. And, um, like we, I'm, I'm told that they, that they're they're they have a different value system in even in their purchases that that they are very in their awareness and all the, of these things that they want like even in in the products and things that they support they are interested in kind of some of their their value system being reflected in companies that they support or, or various things like that they we we hear that they are they prize just as highly their um, their experience in in their employment as they do the salary. So so that the, the employers have to kind of give them the the experiences that they're interested, you know, socially and, and various things like that. Uh, if if their if their employer doesn't show their values, they're probably gonna to leave that place. They they. They don't, and these these are probably true to a lot a significant extent. I'm, these are when I say that when we talk about contradictions, I'm not saying that these are lies, right? That they have these ideals. The point is that um, the, along the way we will see some contradictions between what they say uh, and other things that they do. That there's kind of a disconnect, or even between some things that they do and other things that they do, uh, and. Uh, so I want to go back to one word that we talked about. And before you get all those, like I said, the jitters, and you're like, whoa, my eyes twitching, he's used that word. And I don't care which side you're either, if you're twitching because I used the word woke, you're either twitching because you hate that word, you just despise that word, and you're like, oh, no, here we go. Or you are a person that likes the word, and you you think that I am going to rip that word. So let's put both of your no matter where you are at let me calm your your fears a little bit i want to talk about that word the word has trended like the word millennial where it was just a fine word and it's almost become somewhat of a an epithet kind of an insult uh 
and and so so now people have run away from the word. Uh, the the words in its original context had to do, and I believe it was it developed among kind of among minorities, racial minor, racial minorities uh, specifically, um, to to deal with this awareness awareness of various abuses that were were happening that were directed at at a at ethnic minority. Uh, and they talked about being woke, uh, being aware of of those things, and and a lot of people were not aware. There's nothing wrong with that concept. Anybody who has a problem with that concept, really, uh, I I disagree with you. Uh, that's not where the word the word is actually. I think goes back. It doesn't go back to the millennials. It doesn't go back to Gen Xers. It goes way, way, way back to like the 40s. I think. Um, it just gained popularity in the 2000s. Uh, where the problem came in with this word and where it took a downward spiral was not because of the word itself. It was how it was used. It was expanded and it was used now uh, a subset of, of millennials, not even all millennials. Um, just a small portion of them began using it kind of as a sledgehammer, uh, expanding it to things that it was never meant to uh, basically, at anything socially that was of interest to any group, they used this phrase, we need to be woke. But then it was kind of used as a sledgehammer to uh, to pound anybody who disagreed with their particular philosophical viewpoint on, on something. And so so there was a reaction to it. Uh, and and in, in the reaction to it, uh, they just, now the word itself has, you know, everybody, it's become a punchline. So, um that that's just a, an evolution of the word. That's not really what I want to focus on. Just I kind of want to establish, you know, kind of a baseline for for the conversation that we're having. But it has to do with awareness, um, and so whether you agree with that or not, it makes no difference. Um, so you just consider the attention that has been paid to woke ideals by younger generations. There's been a lot of attention paid to it, right? And I, I, again, I don't care if you believe those ideals or not. That's not the point. So here's all these ideals that we have. Young generations have ideals. They always have been. You know, no matter what the, the a younger generation is always the movers and shakers in a society. So, uh, so now I want you to look at what's happened to those perceived wrongs, right? Here's we have these wrongs. Okay. What's happened because woke really expanded the the woke concept about all these social agendas expanded in the early 2000s. I was that's where it really started. I mean, and social media assisted with that. Who's been steering the conversation? That's an important question. Well, those younger generations. So if we ask the younger generations, this is interesting, and this is where the contradiction comes in, or the first contradiction comes in. Is it better today than it was 15 years ago, 20 years ago? Is it better today than it was? And I think what you'll find is that most people who are very into it, into those, whatever their pet... uh topic is, they will say no. It's worse. It's worse. And this is interesting because 
you know, baby boomers aren't really, they're not changing. This is the point that I've made. Baby boomers aren't changing and really Gen Xers aren't really changing. We are who we are. We're doing what we've been doing. So how did things get worse? If it got worse, then someone or something made it worse. And, and my generation and the previous generation, we're less and less a part of society. So if society's getting worse in an area, then I'm not the one responsible for it, am I? Uh, who's been in charge of society? Well, it's been the millennials. And it's now turning over into Gen X or Gen Z. So, so Gen Z, and uh, and if I've been saying Gen X when I speaking to about the younger generations, I I apologize. We need a better name. Uh, so, so Gen Z, the youngest of of really active generations, and and millennials, which are very similar. If if the problem is getting worse, and they're the most active in society, then then we do have to lay the blame at their feet, don't we? Um, that that's just a, a realistic observation. So why then, if if they perceive it getting worse, why is it getting worse if they're the ones controlling, and and moving and shaking in society? Um. Well, th- th- there's a lot of explanations for this. Possible. I don't know which one is the right one, or if they all are. So I suppose they could just be giving it lip service. That's one. They're not really ever having been, you know, active in it. They're just giving it lip service, and they just want to talk about it. I don't know that I agree with that. Well, it could be that they're misdirected in their efforts. Maybe they've been doing things that weren't aren't really effective. Maybe they have the wrong set of tools. They're using the wrong methods, or maybe they're ideal. Maybe they've picked off something that that can't improve. I don't know. Uh, maybe they have the wrong ideals. Maybe they're trying to go the wrong route. Maybe they need to to do something else. You know, like like maybe if there was an ideal that they held, this is just I'm just throwing this out there, that would actually solve the problem without specifically addressing the problem. I give you an example. Christianity takes care of a lot of this stuff, actually. Uh, Take racial inequalities. Um, racial inequalities largely are taken care of through Christianity. Oh, it's a true statement. I've been in churches that are mixed ethnically, and people have no problems with each other. Uh, nothing like you would see in a societal cross section uh, where where they intersect. Uh, so so if if you are, I've seen it the other way where they're they're in where they don't get along. But those are places where they're not doing the work of what Christianity is. So so I don't have to, like in, in church, I don't have to preach sermons about racial equality. If I preach sermons about loving one another, for example, uh, I don't have to focus on the being woke about awareness of things because it, that naturally gets taken care of. And that's what I mean that th- that they have the wrong ideal. Maybe they're just kind of they're over here somewhere. When if, if they were here, that other thing would be getting taken care of. Um, so so that's one contradiction. Here we have a situation, and we're going to look at a similar one uh, in just a second. But but we have this situation where this is an important thing to me, and yet 
my generation that is really focusing on it is the one in charge of everything, kind of the, the power brokers, the, the movers, the shakers, the spenders, the voters, whatever that my generation is, and the problem's getting worse. Well, we have a problem then, right? So uh, something that I personally feel, and my wife even more so, um, I've talked about healing hearts. It's a it's a grief ministry. It's not a Christian ministry per se. Uh, most I'd say most of us that are involved in it are Christian uh, to one extent or the other, um, and so it's not really a faith based program uh, exactly. Uh, but I I know from conversations with other people in it that that most of us come to it from a Christian perspective, and. My my wife is, I'm just a, what we would call a facilitator there. That is, uh, I kind of guide a group of people who are grieving in a particular way. My wife is the program director. So one of her jobs, of many, not, not just to organize each evening that we, we have a function, but is, is to kind of generate um, facilitators. You have, uh, you know, there's a drop-off every every session. There's a 12-week session followed by a summer with a couple of events and another 12-week session. And that's that's the year. And there's, you know, this one's having a baby or this one, you know, so, so we have to kind of keep, um, now as the program grows and, and it's up to, you know, in the 80s of, you know, number of people that are m- making use of the program, which is awesome. On one hand, on the other hand, um, it's difficult to find volunteers. Now, this is interesting. If you want you to think about that, she has right now the biggest problem she faces is where we're going to get volunteers. We were stretched very, very tight this last session. Well, this is the the, um, the looking at the demographics of who do, who does volunteer at Healing Hearts, right? So we have a we have a organization that's dedicated to helping people with loss you know whether it's death or divorce or incarceration whatever your major losses are and people are trying to deal we're not counseling we're not you know we're not therapy we're just this is a support group that's all it is and, and so you just need a facilitator uh and and you know, it, it it relies heavily on volunteer work. It's not these aren't paid staff members. There's very few paid staff. Uh, so uh, it, now these are the demands. These are the demands for what I do, which is a facilitator, two hours a week. All right, two hours a week for a twelve week session. Now you don't. You can just do one twelve week session. They kind of want you to commit to a whole thing because there's continuity involved in terms of you and the group. So it's a 12-week session, two hours, Monday night. Right? And uh, one town that we run the program in is six weeks. Okay? Uh, and, and, and this is this is all of the demands, really, for a facilitator. And yet here is um, here's the issue. The volunteers we have, 75% of them are baby boomers or Gen Xers. Probably, if I if I had to say, that would be about seventy five percent, and even some older than that. Uh, some of them would be what we would call the silent generation, older, older, older people. Um. So we have on one hand people who are in desperate need. We have 
on the other hand, a group of people, the younger generation, millennials and some Gen Gen Zers, but these these people, this is the generation that says they're very aware of of emotional health and and mental health needs, and they're very interested and they're they're very compassionate and they desperately want to draw awareness to all of this stuff, and they 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 very into all of that, and yet I cannot, my wife cannot get people involved. I say I, it's I kind of help her with it a little bit, but. But but I, I feel it on a personal level because I know that that's her job. And, and to go to this group, well, you know. And it's hard to get people involved. Why? Why is a generation that says that they want to be involved not getting involved? Well, I recognize, again, you get, you got a newborn baby at home, going to be hard to get you involved. But not everybody. Remember, this is the generation that's not having a lot of kids. So, so there should be all this time for for two hour for a two hour investment for twelve weeks. That that's really not a lot of time. Uh, they simply are not engaged. This is a contradiction. Uh, and so again, where where is this? Something is the problem. It's not just a problem. And well, I guess we have a problem. What is the problem? And and that's what I want to. In your life, if you have, you know, I would like to get involved, but I have this, this, and this. Why? What is it specifically that is driving this particular contradiction? Now, they are involved in some things, but I want to look at what's happened is called outsourcing. Um, you might be familiar with that term. Outsourcing is when you basically put off onto someone or a group of someone else, you know, some concern or some need, whatever. You just kind of, you know, give it away and you outsource it, right? So they have outsourced their concern. How do you outsource your concern? It's not that they're not aware they're very aware of the issue. They'll tell you about the issues. But we find that they, and I've run into this in different circles, uh, also in the church I run into the same thing uh, as a minister, that um, that they are using something to feel concerned without actually being involved. And maybe I should say that they're outsourcing their involvement. And one of the ways that this takes place is through financial contribution. If I can write a check and I give it, and it can be to Healing Hearts. And listen, giving money to a cause is very well <laughs> received by any cause. Money, especially right now, uh, with inflation and donations and things are down. Plus, your you know the your dollars that you are getting aren't going as far. So it's like a double whammy. Well, those checks are wonderful, but you know what? Those checks will not sit in a room with somebody and and talk with them or listen to them. Uh, it happens in church. People are very willing to give money to a cause. Uh, I'm in a very generous congregation. It's been generous since the day I've got here. Uh, and yet, just like any church, I think we, we struggle... Um, with 
getting a lot of investment unless it's a very limited like when when I say investment I'm not we have people we have a project we need you to come can you come we'll get that investment we will getting a commitment for a long-term thing where listen we're get, we, we we need a block of time from you over a consistent number of days that gets very difficult to do uh, because people outsource it with money uh, and so when I when I outsource it with money, it feels like I'm doing something, and I am doing something. Um, it also makes people feel like they're free to do what they want in other areas. That is also a problem, right? So, uh, for example, uh, Leonardo DiCaprio or Bill Gates or all these people, they want to enjoy their private airplanes. So... Well, they also happen to be people that are very into green energy. This is a cause that they have. Here's a contradiction. Right? I have a contradiction. I like my personal airplane. I'm not going to, you know, squeeze into these, you know, two by two seats, uh, you know, square two square feet of room for uh and and I'm I'm a billionaire. I'm I'm going to pay for my own jet. I'm also into green energy. Having your own plane big carbon footprint as they say so how do i get around that well i buy i purchase green credits or whatever they call these things or carbon credits or i don't forget what the stupid terminology is so i've donated to some kind of climate cause of some sort that makes me feel okay to get on my own plane and and but guess what their their plane is polluting every bit as much as before they donated it, but it makes them feel okay to do that so i've given money to a cause right it makes me okay to not donate my time to that because i've i've outsourced that personal thing uh and and this is uh this is a problem that that a lot of you know uh, volunteer organizations churches everybody is is feeling and it's it's coming from a contradiction. Uh, we're going to look at another source of that uh, next week because we definitely don't have time to get into it uh, this week. So, um, but uh, I want to leave you with a little bit of of, of you know practical advice, and it, it, that is to go kind of go through and look, and you kind of feel a little guilty uh, if you go through. I hope I hope you do now, um, and I don't say that in a mean way, but but places and people specifically people one of the spiritual things is to be involved in people and, and I've emphasized that throughout these um, that that a check is not it's not that a check won't help them but a check won't give them the most important thing that they need which is personal involvement uh, and, and people need other people uh, you know, and if I'm thinking, you know, why should I get involved? You know, I gave my check on Sunday morning. That's all the involvement I, I really need. That's not going to help people. Um, people are in just a desperate situation as they were before you gave your money. Uh, and they are in situations that in some cases money cannot solve. Uh, and in those cases, you're going to need to be personally involved. And when you are personally involved, that's going to take a personal investment of time. Um, and, and so I encourage you to to go through and analyze your schedule. Look at, at the massive amount of 
time in your schedule that gets donated to yourself. I have a lot of time. Right? I've got projects. I'm working on a fence and I'm working on yard stuff. And I've got a lot of in investment in my own stuff. Uh, really taking taking a few of those hours and saying we're going to allocate this on a regular basis, not just here and there, but on a regular basis. I, I want to give a chunk of my time to to people. Uh, I think that is is its value, and and I can tell you personally that that regardless of what um, arena that I've done this, whether it's with Healing Hearts or whether it's with with investing it in in church causes. Uh, which to me spiritually they, those are even more important that uh, that there's always a return that I get from from that relationship that gets developed and you cannot get that relationship uh, from donating a check so uh, I, I have a, a really good week and but but I want you to go and I I always close you know have a good week uh, I would like you this week to go and and help somebody else have a good week. Mm -hmm.